You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, Packer fans? Good Tuesday afternoon. Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. I do want to say thank you so much uh, for everybody who's sending emails and uh, just giving positive feedback on the uh, on the show. We really, really appreciate that. And uh, so let's do this. Let's just kind of give you a, a quick outline of what we're going to be covering here on this Tuesday afternoon. Um, first of all, we uh, put a post up in the Facebook, uh, Packernet Facebook chat there or, or page, I should say. If you guys aren't a part of that group, search for on uh, on Facebook, Packernet Podcast, Packers Fan Group, and we'll get you added to that. There's uh, There's been some really, really good conversations in there. I love the feedback. What I love about that group is – People don't really hold back. You know, they let you know what they think is negative about the team. Uh, you got a lot of people who are, are over, overly positive in there, which I tend to tend to like, right? But at the same time, it just kind of keeps your your finger on the pulse of, of how Packer fans, and, and more specifically here with the, the Packernet podcast uh, group, um, kind of what people are feeling coming out of camp. And you guys have heard our opinions over and over and over. So what I thought would be cool is why don't we go through – and just get a little bit of feedback from the listeners and how you guys have uh, and gals have viewed camp, right? And just come away and and kind of see uh, how everybody feels about that. So that's what we're going to do um, to kind of kick the show off. Then we're going to have Matt LaFleur. We're going to hear from him um, as he did a presser this morning before practice and just kind of uh, talking a little bit about practice from the previous day. And then we are going to uh, talk uh, talk a little bit about practice today with uh, Andy Herman's practice tweets, and then we're going to discuss depth chart, okay, because people are starting to release their depth charts and just wanted to kind of take a look at that and see uh, not so much the starters. We've got a really, really good idea of outside of the pup list who the starters will be, but kind of diving into the depth of, uh, you know, from guys who have been at practice and seeing firsthand who's getting the majority of the reps and who's, who seem to be, you know, kind of leading the charge there as far as the depth chart goes. So we're going to do that and then uh, hopefully hit you with a little bit of news before we get out of here. And, uh, yeah, that's going to kind of wrap up the show. So, uh, oh, another thing we're going to touch on, which I think is going to be a fun little conversation, is Roquan Smith, the Chicago Bears, as you guys know. A little bit of news there, and and we'll talk about that uh, here shortly. So let's just jump right into the Facebook post. I'm going to read the post I put up, and then we're going to talk about – we're going to basically read off your all's comments and uh, and how you feel going into camp. So or come, you know, halfway through camp here. 
good morning, gang. For uh, for this afternoon's pod, I wanted to, to get a feel for where our Facebook listeners stand on camp so far. Three questions. One, who's your camp MVP? Two, who's your biggest surprise? And three, who's your biggest disappointment? Um, so with that, I said, uh, as always, thank you, each one of you for everything you do. Oh, yeah, we got Packer football live on Friday night, which you guys know I'm I'm freaking stoked for. So first comment, Justin Young says, Camp MVP, Jair Alexander, biggest surprise, Romeo Dobbs lighting it up. Biggest disappointment, <laughs> the entire offensive line. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, second response from uh, Gary, uh, I, man, I, I hate screwing people's last names up. I believe it's Ferries, I think, or for Farias maybe. But Gary said um, Camp MVP, uh, Rashawn Gary, the biggest surprise, Romeo Dobbs. And then uh, the uh, the biggest disappointment was Christian Watson's injury, obviously missing time. Steve Gus says uh, Rashawn Gary, Camp MVP, biggest surprise, Goodson, which I think that is awesome. You know, the uh, the running back fighting for that number three spot with, with Kylan Hill on the pup right now. And then uh, Darnell Savage as the biggest disappointment. I would somewhat agree with the Savage, uh, with the uh, the Savage comment there. You know, it's uh, it sucks to see a player get hurt, but at the same time, man, it's like, golly, they they just picked him up on the fifth year option. We know he had a down year last year, according to PFF, which you guys know I put a lot of stock in PFF. I don't think it's the, the tell all end all, but I think they have one of the best grading systems that that's available to us fans, and I could kind of see that on film when I went back and watched every play three times last year from the Packers season. Um, he's just someone that he doesn't look like a first round pick in my opinion. I hope he turns it around, but again, kind of starting off uh, like a crappy uh, camp here with him, you know, having the injury before we even have the first preseason matchup. Not that he would have even played, who knows if he would have how much playing time he would have gotten in that first game. But at the same time, it's like, man, come on, put it together. Finally put it together. Um, okay, up next we've got Android Andrew Lloyd Peth or Peth. I'm, I'm assuming it's Peth. Rashawn. Others are dang, he gave a list here, boys. <laughs> Camp MVP said Rashawn Gary. Others are Jair, Quay, Yash, and John Runyon. Okay. Um the uh, second question, which of course was the biggest camp surprise. He said Romeo Dobbs. Others are Jake Hansen, Samori Torre, Zach Tom, uh Hamilton, the edge rusher we talked about, and Tipa Nali. Um, and then the biggest disappointment, Bakhtiari's ongoing delay. Others are Stokes, Ryan, Ford, and Carpenter. So half the team there. All right, Andrew. <laughs> now, nah, Bakhtiari, man, I completely feel your pain there. That's uh, something that I think we were all expecting to go into camp and him just be 100% full go. You know, sooner or later, it's got to be on us, right? Um, we keep expecting it to happen, and it doesn't. You know, that's obviously that's the the exact definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that's what us fans keep doing. But hopefully Bach is out there week one. I'm with you, Andrew. That's a that's a big disappointment too. Um, up next is uh, Jason Lindstrom. He says, Matt LaFleur is the camp MVP just because. I'm, hey, I'm digging it. Uh, the biggest surprise, Romeo Dobbs. The biggest disappointment, Watson being sidelined. Um, Ian Burke said, pretty amazing that I'm camp MVP without showing up. <laughs> Got to get a little humor in there, right? Roger Davis uh, says, Rashawn Gary, camp MVP, biggest surprise, Zach Tom. And uh, biggest disappointment is not seeing Watson. So Watson getting a lot of that disappointment. Um, you know, not not Watson as a player, just the fact that he's hurt and, and not on the field, obviously. Uh, Jeff Nelson says, Rashawn Gary, MVP. Uh, biggest surprise, Jake Hansen. So Jake Hansen getting a lot of love from the listeners. I like it. And then the biggest disappointment, Watson delayed due to his surgery. 
Um, Sean uh, Desert, I guess is how you say his name, maybe Desart. He says your with a star. So he's correcting me that the autocorrect got me in the title where I did, you know, your with the apostrophe as in you are rather than what's your MVP. So uh, obviously the grammar police out in full force. Sean, thank you so much, man. You're a cool looking cat with the shades there in the Milwaukee Brewers cap. I'm sure you're a great guy. But uh, thank you for the correction, man. We really appreciate that. I know that's important to the listeners that when someone types something while they're on the road and, and in a hurry, you know, you kind of throw that typo out there. It's important to correct that. I know the listeners and everybody else that adds a lot of value to to the team. So we appreciate that, man. Um, Garrett says camp or Garrett Stritzel, I think is how you say his name. Camp MVP, Rashawn Gary, biggest surprise, Romeo Dobbs, biggest disappointment, offensive line. So what I did within the Facebook group, guys, is I went through and just tallied them up, and we came up with a collective group vote there, right? And the camp MVP is Rashawn Gary with uh, with six overall votes there. Uh, the surprise of camp is Romeo Dobbs. Love it, love it, love it. And the biggest disappointment so far is the fact that Christian Watson was injured and we couldn't see him in camp so far. So I'm hoping he gets on the field in the preseason. But at the same time, if there's any chance that they're going to, you know, upset the fact that they they got in there and had to clean that knee up and get that floating cartilage taken care of, um, then let's just let's hold them out until the regular season, right? I mean, taking advantage of of basically the next four weeks. You know, a lot of people are forgetting that that uh that fourth preseason game no longer exists, obviously, and um, there's going to be an extra week of rest there too. So, regardless, I don't expect Christian Watson to contribute too early because he's kind of behind the eight ball. But at the same time, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he got asked the question. He said, oh, yeah, I don't I don't have any concerns because Christian's a bright kid. He's a very smart kid. Um, so he doesn't think it's going to slow him down in that regard. However, um, it is something that, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I just – if Romeo Dobbs is indeed carrying, carrying over this momentum into the regular season, um, I think he might take, uh, you know – take a top priority over Christian Watson, seeing that we don't want to rush him back in, whether it's a, he makes a mistake because he's not familiar with, you know, with, uh, with the offense and, and the, the final installs that are going to take place in the, you know, the third and fourth week of preseason and fourth week being that bye week, of course, or, you know, you don't want to rush him back because of the injury. So thank you guys so much for that feedback. That was great. Um, I asked a couple of the guys in the Packer net podcast uh, family here to just kind of, give me their thoughts and, and a few, um, a few actually did respond. So let me try to pull that up here real quick. And I'm going to give you what they said. Um, JJ says, I think I could come up with five answers to each, but I'll try to limit myself. Camp MVP has to be Dobbs, but, but just in terms of what we usually define MVP as, I think uh, Jair and Rashawn have turned in better performances. That's a good answer. Biggest surprise is the emergence of Rico Gafford. Uh, I'm I'm a big Rico Gafford fan, man. I, I love those multi-tool players, right? I, I love guys that, that can do a little bit of everything. It's something that the great teams have always had. You know, it, it just seems like, you you know, the Patriots were, you know, synonymous with it. I mean, they, they always had a receiver that could play DB, it seemed like, and they always had – guys on special teams i mean for goodness sakes one of the team captains there uh um, slater matthew slater i think's his name um you know he's a wide receiver that is never on the field when the offense is out there but he's he's a team captain and he's a huge huge contributor when it comes to the special teams and not not returning the ball mainly on kick uh you know kick coverage um so uh, yeah i think rico gafford he's he's one of my guys that i'm really really rooting for biggest disappointment is that kingsley 
is kind of showing why he was a fifth rounder. Just seems like he's got a lot of development ahead of him. And yeah, you know, I can understand why that would be a disappointment, but for me, it's, it's not really a disappointment because again, he's a fifth round pick, you know, people, I was as excited as anyone about that draft pick. And I still am because I think there's a lot of upside, a lot of potential there, but the fact that he fell to the fifth round, you know, it's, it's easy. And I'm not saying JJ saying this, but it's easy for people to look at something and go, Oh, he's better than that. No, he's not. I'm sorry. It, you're, you're as good as where you were drafted period. You know, it's like I've mentioned it before. When people go to sell a house, they go to sell a house and they, my house is worth more than that. Nah, if you're not getting an offer for that much, it's not sorry house. That's not how fair market value works. Right. I mean, the guy's a fifth round pick. You take any other fifth round pick that we drafted uh, no one was expecting them to play a role this year. If they do, awesome. But nobody expects a fifth-round pick to say, heck, it, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised when a first-round pick doesn't contribute the first year. You know, I mean, yeah, they may have flashes here and there, and they play kind of a backup role and a rotational role, yeah, but, you know, look at Rashawn Gary and how long it's taken to develop him. You just got to really curb the enthusiasm when it comes to a rookie and a draft pick. Uh, Goose, man. He comes in and says, Camp MVP, Jair Alexander. Um, I'm assuming that what, that's what it is. It says, J.A. Money Sign. I like, look at Goose. I, I think Goose might be a, a Canadian rapper on the side. I really do, man. I think there's something there. He just When you see him on camera, he's just smooth, man. He's got the beard trimmed up. He never says two words. I, I call him Charlie Chaplin, right, of the group. And, uh, yeah, he's just one of those guys, man, that he's uh, he, he truly is cooler than the other side of the pillow. I, I believe that. Um, okay, so he said, uh, camp MVP, Jair Alexander, biggest surprise, Romeo, Black Lightning, Dobbs. I'm telling you, Goose is a rapper. He's throwing out these names, man. He's giving everybody nicknames. He's smooth, man. Just a smooth operator. Biggest disappointment, probably that Watson hasn't been able to participate if we're basing it on performance, either love struggling again or the O-line not being able to hold up versus the D-line. I think both of those are good choices. The love thing is very interesting, Goose, because you guys heard me talk about family night, and I was like, wow, man, Jordan Love is really standing out to me. He is really, like, coming on strong. And then the next day had a horrible practice, and I'm going, I need to stop falling for this maybe he is the answer moving forward right maybe he isn't but it's just funny how it's it's been a roller coaster for me and and my Jordan Love fandom but uh I can understand why he would be a a disappointment there too and then Pac Daddy himself Mr. Ryan Schlipp comes in and says MVP Jair Alexander surprise Romeo Dobbs biggest disappointment Kenny I'm assuming Kenny Clark obviously yeah man you haven't heard much from Kenny Clark right um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, typically when you hear about Jerron Reed taking over, you know, beating double teams and Devontae Wyatt flashing at times, you kind of expect Kenny to do the same thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point there. So there's the feedback. Uh, appreciate you guys taking time to uh, to give us that feedback. And obviously the guys in the group there, uh, like I said, I just wanted to kind of get a feel. Um, I've been talking about it, you know, over and over and over. So I wanted to kind of see, hey, how does everybody else feel about how everything's going as far as camp. So, all right, let's do this. Let's hear from Coach Matt LaFleur uh, this morning before practice. What the one-on-one matchups are for, like, wide receivers and DBs, and do you put Romeo against Jair yesterday for the first time to maybe humble him a little bit after the start he's had? Um, No, I think, first of all, within our team, we always highlight and we make it a competitive period and show it to the whole group, to the whole team in the team meeting. 
Um, but no, certainly you, you want your better players going against uh, one another because that's how they get better. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what, our DBs, they came to play yesterday. Uh, all of them. They, they looked really good yesterday. And it just sometimes it just works its way it, itself out in terms of who's matching up with who. Yeah, so, you know, the question was, did you intentionally put Jair Alexander on Romeo Dobbs yesterday? And, you know, Matt LaFleur's answer, it was some, somewhat politically correct, I guess you could say, or, or kind of, you know, I don't know, holding a little back. But, you know, his answer essentially was, no, it just kind of worked out that way. It may have just worked out that way. It probably did. I think Matt LaFleur is very honest with the answers he gives to the media. He just seems like a stand-up guy. Really, really like Coach LaFleur. I agree with – I'm trying to remember who it was in the Facebook group who said – oh, Jason Lindstrom said Matt LaFleur just because he's the MVP. I'm with you on that. Um, so – but I guarantee you this. They may not have designed it that way and the rotation just worked out that way. I guarantee you when Dobbs lined up there with Jair playing D, I know everybody on that field perked up and looked as, all right, let's see what happens here because that's arguably the best – cornerback in the entire National Football League and to me it was pretty uh pretty cool that he beat him on the route according to according to the tweets that I, I read you know um he beat him on the route but didn't catch the pass you know in the end it doesn't matter right but um I don't know man I uh, I, I think Romeo Dobbs even after that I'm coming away going, all right, man, that when you when you start you want to see what he does against arguably the best corner in the game, that kid's got something. He's shown something. And again, it's just it's it's NFL draft 101, man. You take multiple swings at positions of quote need, right? Um, you know, people like to pretend like teams go in and and just draft exactly what they need. That's not how it works. You, you draft by position on the board. You draft by best available on the board. That's broken down into tiers. At that point, you may go with a position of need. But the other thing that comes into play is kind of a trick question or a trick answer. These teams are scouting throughout the year for need. They're putting extra emphasis on need. You know, we basically called every position that was going to be drafted in the draft. This last year, I don't know if you if you guys go back and watch some of our pre-draft coverage. We broke down the top needs and in what order they were, right? And there were multiple players taken at those positions, um, and it's because those scouts are collecting that information. Of course, they're going to scout as many players as possible, but there's an emphasis on certain positions when they go out and scout. They're really looking, okay, we really need to land somebody here, here, and here at these, you know, three or five positions, and there's extra time gone in, and that extra time is going to, you know, uncover more information on these players, therefore putting them higher on the board or lower on the board and giving them a better understanding of the talent for those players. So, um, yeah, that was – that's something that, that definitely comes into effect, and I I love what LaFleur said. He said, man, the DBs really came to play yesterday, all of them. And that's really, really nice to hear. We're hearing about the offensive line struggling, guys, right? And we're going to get into camp tweets real quick and kind of get an update on what happened today in camp. But um, also, you know, it's 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 the offensive line struggling, but the DBs showing up. If that defense is as strong as everyone is talking about it being, then uh, there's a, a lot more positive than negative coming out of camp, in my opinion. I have way more faith in Rodgers' ability to get the ball out extremely quick. We've seen him do it his entire career. We've we've seen him play behind some bad old lines early, 
And, uh, you know, at some point it shifted to, okay, these offensive lines must be good. I think there's still that Aaron Rodgers factor that comes into play. Um, he's not going to be caught off guard. It's going to take an offensive lineman getting absolutely beat for him to get sacked. It's not going to be, well, crap, Aaron didn't. Aaron, I did the mock, and, and the one guy he was responsible for, he didn't pay attention to. That happens so rarely. So I think there is going to be an Aaron Rodgers effect on the offensive line, you know, depending on how the pup and everything unfolds, if we do have a weak offensive line. I'm not freaking out over the O-line. We're going to we're gonna get a good look at it there against San Francisco, though. I'll tell you that. Because these guys, they're going to get a lot of playing time. I believe that. I don't think, you know, I'm going to talk about the depth chart later in this show. And when we do, um, you're going to go, okay, well, maybe they won't play Yash that much. I don't know, man. I mean, they want to protect them from injury, of course. But at the same time, they want to get a really good feel and how these guys line up against other one, you know, other against players other than, you know, who are, who are wearing green and gold, right? And that's one of the things that players get tired of the quickest in camp, obviously, is, uh, is the fact that they're having to go up against their teammates every single day. They want to line up against someone else. You know, Jerron Reed said it yesterday. So let's do this. Let's take us a quick break, and we're going to jump into uh, some tweets from practice. We're going to climb into uh, Andy Herman's Twitter account here. And I'm not going to hack it, okay? Don't uh, Calm down there. We're just going to jump in there and see what he tweeted about practice. And then we're going to talk a little depth chart, and we'll wrap it up with a little uh, laughing at the Chicago Bears with the Roquan Smith uh situation there in chicago but first let's do this let's take us a quick commercial break and pay a few bills in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com the only repack that provides real value a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so let's go and see what happened at Packers practice today. Andy Herman said it's day 12. Ironically enough, without 12, let's get after it. So Aaron Rodgers got a vet rest day today, um, so he was not at practice. Um, let's see here. Let's go on. It says Stephen Wordle back at practice today after limping off yesterday, so Stephen Wordle seems to be healthy. Randy Ramsey out with an ankle injury. That's really going to hurt Ramsey's chance, uh, especially with Hamilton having a good camp. And then, obviously, uh, Jonathan Garvin stepping up as well yesterday. Hamstring injury for Dante Vaughn. He's out today. Don't think he's going to make the team anyway. Matt LaFleur said the offensive line isn't set yet, but another day of Yash, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, and Royce Newman starting today. So the same exact offensive line that we've seen yesterday. You're starting to see now, guys, Zach Tom is kind of fizzling out of that starting offensive line. I don't think that's necessarily a negative thing for for uh, for um, Zach Tom, but it is kind of telling that, okay, it looks like Yash has, has secured that left tackle spot as of right now, and Royce Newman is really turning heads at right tackle. And you haven't heard Royce Newman's name mentioned much this camp. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Hit me up on Twitter if you have. But I don't remember hearing him get beat very often. The guys that I remember getting beat, our rookie Sean Ryan, and then of course you know uh, Myers having some gaffes there. So uh, yeah, that offensive line doesn't worry me as as much as most people. Um, Love throws a pass off the fingertips of Sammy Watkins, and Eric Stokes picks the pass. Defense continues to be on fire. Rashawn Gary just destroyed a Yash Aaron Jones double team for an easy sack of Love. Love looked shocked. Gary was there so quick. So Rashawn Gary beating a double team of Yash Najman at. I'm assuming left tackle in this drill, so which tells me that Rashawn Gary was lined up at right uh, right edge defender. I'm assuming they didn't say that Yash was playing right tackle, and you just heard the starting offensive line, so that's kind of interesting. But the fact that Aaron Jones was chipping and helping Yash, and, and Rashawn Gary still broke through, Rashawn Gary is going to have a great year. I cannot wait to watch it. Uh, blocking Preston Smith with Amari Rodgers shockingly doesn't work. Smith stops Jones four to five yards deep in the backfield. Nixon right there for support too. Next play, Preston probably would have ha- uh, would had a has a would be sack on Love. So Preston Smith showing up. Last four plays: pick, sack, four yard tackle for a loss, and a probable sack. Defense showing up big time. Nice run by Tyler Goodson to the outside. Garvin may have had a play on him. He beat Daphne. Garvin's getting in the habit of making plays lately. Um, Chris Slayton with a, sl- a stop near the line of scrimmage. Dobbs in around works well. Solid blocking outside by Winfrey. So um, the big note there for me is definitely Jonathan Garvin starting to flash again today. Now Garvin with a great pass rush for a sack. Uh, that came from uh, yeah Andy Herman again. Okay, cool. So Garvin, uh, Garvin, yeah, starting to show up. Devontae Wyatt shows some emotion after a run play. When he ends up on the ground, seem frustrated with himself. Love hits Torre in stride over the middle. Nice throw in rhythm by, by number 10. It's usually against the second 
slash third team, but Heflin has been eating running blocks for lunch in run defense. So Heflin all the way at the bottom of the depth chart there at interior defensive line, um, but, but you know, playing well against the backups. Again, Devontae Wyatt showing some emotion after he ended up on the ground. Devontae Wyatt, I don't know, man. He uh, he had, you know, he flashed there at family night, but it does kind of feel like his camp hasn't been that great to me. I could be wrong. I need to go back through Ryan's notes. It's been a couple of days since I checked them out and see what he's seeing there. Stop me if you've heard this. Romeo Dobbs touchdown, this time from Love, who has perfected the back corner end zone throw. He's hit multiple of those throws in camp. Pretty ball and execution from number 10. Dobbs beat Rasul Douglas. So Dobbs flashing on Rasul Douglas, and you've got Jordan Love with a dime there. T.J. Slayton swallows up a run play, and T.J. Slayton swallows up another run play, in large part due to fantastic edge set by Jonathan Garvin, setting the edge. All right, Chris Slayton coverage sack on Etling. So uh, T.J. Slayton swallows up a run play, and then, like I said, Jonathan Garvin setting the edge well there. The Packers forgot to block Rashawn Gary on a run play that went right at Rashawn Gary. It did not go well. Yash, nice job on uh, on pass pro against Gary. Gary impressed and stunt works to perfection. Smith comes clean. Shamar with a pass breakup versus Danny Davis. Um, it says the uh, ball was a bit high from Etling, too. So Yash there uh, kind of stonewalling Gary. That's good to see. Keyshawn Nixon showing off his special teams chops as a gunner right in the returner's grill legally as he caught the punt. So there you're seeing Keyshawn Nixon start to flash a little bit on punt coverage. You guys know Rich Bisaccia. That's one of the guys he wanted to bring over from the uh, Vegas Raiders. As Aaron Nagler and I discussed on the sideline today, Sammy Watkins has had a very quiet start to camp. Worth remembering that veteran contracts are guaranteed if on the roster week one and Watson contract has cost savings has cost savings if released. Not saying yet, just monitoring. So good point there that they can get a large majority of that money back. I believe everything but $50,000 um, from Sammy Watkins if they decide to cut him um, loose. I believe it was fifty grand. I might need to go back and check that. So Sammy Watkins, not a shoe-in for the roster, you know, but uh, it's just, I don't know, it's interesting, man, because, again, he has been quiet. He missed a little time there in the beginning. And like we always say, you can't make the club in the tub, right? So Sean Davis was with the ones earlier, but back to Vernon Scott now. Clark and Reed combined for a stop of Dylan. Love hits Dobbs over the middle with a crosser. There's Dobbs, 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 I swear. Three defenders there to meet him. Nice run by Dylan to the outside with a huge hat tip to uh, Josh Myers leading the way. So there you go, Josh Myers with a good play there blocking downfield. If you're a long snapper, you might want to to let Brian Gudikins know you're available. Uh-oh, here we go. That came from Rob Demosky. Keandre Thomas with some pretty – man, I, I, I had – I swore a couple of times on the show yesterday, and I apologize. I'm trying to read these in, in unison, and, you know, with, with decent flow because it's so hard to read off the computer screen as you're reading these tweets. But Andy Herman, man, just he likes to throw in some colorful language. It's nothing horrible, but I'm trying to keep it, friend, uh, you know, kid friendly on here. That in case you're, you know, I always try to think before I record. Think of a dad listening to this podcast with his son, okay? And that's what I want my language to, you know, to kind of show. And it's hard reading some of these. But anyway, good coverage on Alan Lazard there from Keandre Thomas. Keyshawn Nixon's a fun player. Love how he plays. He just mauled Hyman off the line of scrimmage, and it was legal. Plays with a lot of confidence. Nixon just did the same thing to Torre. So Nixon sounds like that aggressive gunner that we're looking for on special teams, even when he's playing DB. 
Um, nice find by Etling to uh, Mack over the middle for a nice leaping catch right up the seam. Situational drill next, four-yard line, three seconds left, need to get in the end zone. Amos, solid coverage on Tyler Davis, back end zone for a pass breakup uh, on the first play. Pretty good ball by 10, um, so nothing on Love there. Love finds Aaron Jones for a touchdown from the nine. Nice route and throw from number 10 to number 33. Um, Love underthrows Dobbs in the end zone. May have been some contact, but can't say the ball was catchable. Um, Packers just went one-man rush and 10 in coverage. Jerron Reed did not beat the five offensive linemen. <laughs> I guess he didn't. Maybe they said, man, Jerron Reed's having a good camp. Let's see if he can he can beat all five offensive linemen and get to the quarterback. I don't know. That's kind of strange. Um, would probably go Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Garvin as players of the day. Um, Preston Smith, TJ Slayton, and Jack Heflin had nice days too. Not many offensive players of the day lately. So Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Garvin uh, seem to have uh, really, really stood out today um, at practice. So Jonathan Garvin, I don't know, man. He's becoming a lock for me at edge defender. I've actually got him in that number three spot as the uh, backup edge defender. And, and you know, edge defender's – Depending on the build, determines whether they're they're going to play strong and weak side, right? Um, so some of that comes into factor. But Jonathan Garvin having a good camp, and uh, that's exciting for me. I don't know. I like Garvin. I think he's one of those players that can contribute. If I remember correctly, at a decent PFF grade, you know, seeing that he didn't get much playing time, um, but uh, yeah, he was one of those guys that kind of came in rotational, rotationally last year. So all right, so that was your camp tweets. From practice today. Just thought we would kind of cover that. Now let's do this. Let's talk about the depth chart. Okay. Um, there was a depth chart release and I cannot remember who did it. Um, I don't have it in the screenshot, but it was one of the reporters. It was, uh, it might've been Matt Schneidman. I can't remember, but I'm just going to kind of run through this depth chart. Cause I think it's important to, uh, to kind of keep an eye on it. Right. Um, so let's do this. Starting offense, boundary receivers, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins. In the slot, you've got Randall Cobb. On the offensive line, just the same as today, uh, Yash Nyman at left tackle, John Runyon Jr. at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Jake Hansen at right guard, right tackle is Royce Newman, tight end Mercedes Lewis, and then uh, obviously quarterback will be Aaron Rodgers. Running back will be Aaron Jones. On the defensive side of the ball, you've got – uh, at defensive end, you got Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed with Kenny Clark playing nose. This is obviously a 34 look, guys. Um, outside linebacker, edge defender, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Inside linebackers, Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. At corner, you've got Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes. And then at safety, you got Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. But here's the more important part. is uh, Oh, here you go. This, this is kind of important. Punt return, Amari Rogers. Kick return, Rico Gafford. So Rico Gafford is getting more looks at kick return than Amari Rogers. So that's kind of cool. Um, and long snapper is Jack Coco, according to this list here. So um, that's really, really important there. Looks like Jack Coco is kind of taken over um, ahead of Steven Wordle as the long snapper. I don't know if that's good or bad, seeing the tweets were complaining about the snaps. But again, it's very, very early in camp, guys. So here's the more exciting part to me. Let's get into the backups, okay? Let's look at, okay, who are, who are going to be in that backup role um, on offense? Boundary receivers, Jawan Winfrey, and uh, and you've got Romeo Dobbs, okay? So they do indeed have Samori Torre on the outside looking in of that depth chart. And I say that because 
with those four receivers, and then you add in the backup slot in Amari Rodgers, those would be your receivers for the camp, for the for the final 53 if they do carry six like last year. Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, then Jawan uh, Winfrey, Romeo Dobbs, and Amari Rodgers. Again, this may be somewhat opinionated from the person who posts it, but um, they're there and they're seeing who's getting the the start, the quote-unquote starter reps. So this is probably a pretty good guess as to who, who the starters would be. Backup left tackle, Cole Van Lannon. Um, backup left guard, Michael Minnett. Uh, backup center, Cole Schneider. Backup right guard, Sean Ryan. Backup right tackle, Zach Tom. So they seen something that suggests that Zach Tom is going to primarily be a right tackle and Cole Van Lannon is going to be the backup left tackle. Uh, that's kind of news to me. But, again, it's very, very early. This could all change. It's just going off of reps. Uh, backup quarterback, obviously, Jordan Love. Uh, backup running back, A.J. Dillon, which we all know that's 1A and 1B with him and Aaron Jones. And then the other running back they have listed is Tyler Goodson. So they have Tyler Goodson ahead of B.J. Baylor. So uh, looking like Goodson uh, might start to pull away a little bit there. So backup on defense, uh, defensive ends in the 34 look, you've got Jack Heflin and Devontae Wyatt with T.J. Slayton being the backup nose. Um, the uh, backup edge defenders will be Jonathan Garvin and uh, Tipa Nali. So that's kind of cool. Um, obviously, Randy Ramsey had another bad day today. They've got Randy Ramsey listed behind Jonathan Garvin, but if we only carry four, it looks like it's going to be Tipa and uh, and Jonathan Garvin as it sits right now. And that, that's kind of interesting because you know Hamilton has had a pretty good camp, and he's pretty far pretty far back on this depth chart. They're basically saying that you would have to carry five edge defenders for uh, for him to make the roster, and, and not saying that's out of the the realm of possibility. But at the same time, Kingsley and Agbar, you know, uh, you're probably going to keep him being a draft pick, a fifth-round pick there. So inside linebacker Chris Barnes and Isaiah McDuffie, no surprise there for me. Obviously, Ty Summers is really on the bubble now. Um, cornerbacks, as far as uh, backups, you've got Rasul Douglas and you've got Shamar Jean Charles with KB and Into as the fifth there. So uh, that's kind of interesting, especially with Rico Gafford. Um, you know, contributing on special teams like he has. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's really, really interesting because they've also got Keyshawn Nixon on the outside looking in. So they've got KB and Ento above Keyshawn Nixon and Rico Gafford. I uh, don't think I necessarily agree with that, but, again, they're looking at it from a rep standpoint. And when it's this early in camp, too, you got to take into consideration that the coaching staff is – is trying to get these guys that if, if they have somebody on the roster that they're sitting there going, okay, yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to make the team. Well, let's, let's, a, a part of that early cut, and I'm trying to remember what the day was. I think the 23rd, you got to cut the roster down to 80 players. You want to get as much footage on them as possible now before you make the, you don't want to make that decision with any doubt in your mind whatsoever that did we cut the wrong guy. You know, if he is the guy at the bottom, maybe you get him more reps now. Not at the bottom, but, you know, on that bubble, I should say. Not just a camp body like some of these guys that are way down on the depth chart. But maybe you're looking at it from that standpoint going, okay, yeah, let's uh, let's see if we can, um, you know, let's see if we can get a look at him now, get some footage. And, uh, okay, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely not going to make the roster. Let's make him a part of that, that cut down to 80 men on the 23rd. So that kind of makes sense. 
Um, yeah, and at safety, you've got Enos Gaines and Vernon Scott. You know, we talked about Vernon Scott kind of emerging there in that backup free safety role behind Darnell Savage. It looks like Enos Gaines, as of right now, is the backup strong safety, according to reps. It could kind of apply to what we were talking about, getting enough uh, enough of a look at him to maybe, uh, you know, cross him out. Who knows? But it's all rep-oriented. So backup punt returner right now is Romeo Dobbs behind Amari Rogers. And then backup kick returner is Amari Rogers. So on the field, the two kick returners, if they go with two deep, I don't know if they do that. I haven't watched specials uh, that closely, but if they do, it would be back deep for kick return, Rico Gafford and Amari Rogers. And then punt return would be Amari Rogers with Romeo Dobbs being the backup and then Rico Gafford after that. And like I said, long snapper, uh, Jack Coco is in the lead right now as far as working with first team specials. So that's your depth chart. Again, just wanted to cover that, kind of give you guys an idea of what they're seeing as far as reps and who they think the projected, you know, uh, starters would be. And then, like I said, that would kind of fill that roster out there from the backup standpoint. Now, let's talk a little enemy news. You want to? Now I'm going to try to filibuster here for just a second so I can pull up Twitter. And I want to see what Ian Rappaport has said about this topic because there's a lot of people talking about it, but I really, really want to go to some of the bigger name guys that cover the NFL media and see if they're giving out any additional information. And, of course, I'm talking about Roquan Smith. You guys know first-round pick for the Chicago Bears. Um, he has been holding out wanting a contract. And it's it's hilarious because – Oh, as I've watched this whole thing unfold, you guys know how I stand on PFF. Um, I love the thought of grading players' performance rather than just looking at statistics. And everybody's in love with the statistics. And I got into some conversations. Some I, I wouldn't say heated. I laughed the whole time. But the Chicago Bears fans, I would say they were pretty heated. <laughs> but just trying to understand what is it you like about Roquan Smith and everything came back to his tackle statistics. He had 160 tackles or whatever it was. And the other thing which made me really, really chuckle out loud was his his Madden football rating, a video game, okay? Guys, who does the ratings for the Madden football game? They have what they call rating adjusters. And the biggest name they have is Ocho Cinco, Chad Ocho Cinco. But understand, he's kind of the face for it. They wanted credibility, and Chad Ochocinco is a big Madden football fan, so he's the face of the rat. He's the guy who announces what the new rating changes are, right? One of the guys that are behind the scenes that does the majority of the rating uh, rating changes, he I think on Twitter it's at, rated, at Madden Ratings Adjuster, and I did a little bit of background check on him last year because this kept getting brought up. I'm looking at the PFF grades. I'm looking at the guys who are getting the big contracts, and then I'm looking at the Madden rate, and I'm going, something's off here. Are you telling me the front offices? Like, are you telling me you understand pro football players' talent more than front offices do? Like, in my opinion, a player should be rated, uh, whether it's a video game or whatever you're talking about, right? It should be rated in conjunction to the amount of value that front offices put on those players, meaning the order in which they were drafted should be a pretty good telltale sign. Now, I understand that, you know, like Greg Cosell says, there's two drafts. You've got a quarterback draft and then everybody else draft, right? Quarterbacks are always going to be valued one tier higher than any other position that's taken in the NFL draft. It's just it's common knowledge now. So I understand you want to maybe rate them lower 
because it's a, a position of more importance and they might not be a better quote unquote overall football player, but because it's at that elite quarterback position, they're going to be valued a little higher. But I think the ratings should be really in conjunction with where they were drafted. And what these ratings adjusters do, a player will be taken, you know, like the number 10 overall draft pick um, will be rated, let's say he's rated a 75 overall, right? And then the number 22 draft pick will be rated a 78 overall. I'm just throwing numbers out. And it's like, how did a guy that fell to 22, that's a, not a quarterback, is great is rated higher than the guy who was drafted number 10 um, that wasn't a quarterback? How does that even make sense, right? Why was he not taken earlier if he's the better player? And they'll get snippy with you, man. They are really, really quick to prove their ignorance. And it's – I've watched a ton of film. You know, I've – I'm a scout myself. I spend time scouting play. I'm like, okay, let me dig into this guy's background. The guy was a valet worker. He parked cars for a living when he got the job with EA Sports to do the Madden adjustments. And it's like, how do you know more football than the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that's spent on the employees that are implanting scouts all across the country to watch college football and meet with these players on a personal basis, right? But you understand how good these players are more than them. It's, it's a joke. It's become a joke to me. But anyway, yeah, that was a that was a heck of a rant and a tangent. I apologize, but that stuff just it it always it always cracks me up because it's like you don't understand more than a front office. So the two things that get thrown out by Chicago Bears fans are his tackle stats and his Madden rating. And I'm going, oh wow, yeah. So you're going to take that over a multitude of employees at PFF who are sitting down and watching every single individual play and grading that player on a scale that is used or very, very similar to what was created in NFL front offices. Like That makes no sense to me whatsoever, but it is what it is. Let's see what Ian Rappaport is saying about this because Roquan Smith now – has demanded a trade from the Chicago Bears. And I'm going to wrap it up with just the the whole the humor and the whole issue with the Bears fans and the conversation I had with them. But Ian Rappaport says, right now, this is a quote by GM Ryan Poles from the Chicago Bears. Quote, right now my intentions are to make sure Roquan is on this team. So it sounds like they want him, right? So let's go here to um, it, it says a folder. I'm assuming this is uh, Ian Rappaport who typed something out. It says to the city of Chicago. Nope. This must be Roquan. Yeah, this is Roquan. Okay, here we go. To the city of Chicago and all the Bears fans worldwide, I've officially requested a trade. Just writing these words is deeply painful. I'm a kid from Macon County, Georgia. When you grow up playing football, you dream of making it to the NFL one day. However, playing the linebacker position, you never imagine getting drafted in the top ten by the Chicago Bears. I'm a homegrown Bear. I, a dream come true for me to have an opportunity to put that Bears helmet on, wear the same jersey and the legendary linebacker that the leg- legendary linebackers did. It's an indescribable feeling. Walking these hallways the past four years. You can feel the spirit. You can feel the pressure to live up to that timeless history, that great legacy. I I dreamed of playing like Wilbur, Marshall, Singletary, Briggs, Erlacher, Buckus. Since the day I was drafted, I vowed to play that position, to play this position at a level that upheld the standard that was set before me, to uphold that respect and honor I have. Um, 
And then the second part of it says, unfortunately, the new front office regime doesn't value me, value me here. Wow, that's uh that's that's pretty uh <laughs> it's pretty damning, you know, as a Bears fan. You gotta look at that and go, holy cow, he's really calling out the front office. Unfortunately, the new front office regime doesn't value me value me here. They refuse to negotiate in good faith. Every step of this journey has been take it or leave it. And he put that in quotations. The deal sent me to this. Uh, the deal sent to me is one that would be bad for myself and for the entire linebacker market if I signed it. I've been trying to get something done that's fair since April, but their focus has been uh, on trying to take advantage of me. I wanted to be a bear for my entire career, help this team bring a Super Bowl back to our city. However, they have left me no choice than to request a trade that allows me to play for an organization that truly values what I bring to the table. I haven't had the chance to talk to the McCaskey family, obviously the family that owns the team, and maybe they can salvage this. But as of right now, I don't see a path back to the organization I truly love. I hope and pray you can all understand. I'm deeply sorry it comes to this. Sincerely, Roquan Smith. All right, first things first. That is very well put together. And that, to me, does not sound like the the agent wrote it. That sounds like he wrote it. And I think that might be why Ian Rappaport posted it the way it was. It was kind of confusing to me in the beginning. is because it says in the screenshot, folders. So it looks like he typed this out on his phone and then sent it over to either Ian or sent it to someone who shared it with Ian. So, you know, him calling out the front office and saying, quote, their their whole approach is, has been, quote, take it or leave it. Man, that's a, that's, that's a pretty strong shot across the bow at the front office. And I love how he, he honored, you know, the history of the Chicago Bears because, guys, my first game as a Packer fan at Lambeau Field was against the Chicago Bears. And I couldn't have picked a better game to go to. I mean, the Packers lost that game, but it was a great football game. And to be able to see for the first time being at Lambeau Field um, in person, that Packers-Bears rivalry. And my experience with it, I know a lot of people hate Bears fans and they like to root against them. And I'm sure you guys have had bad experiences with them. But my experience with Bears fans have been really, really positive. It's been they respect the, the Green Bay Packers, but they hate them at the same time. Well, guess what? Green Bay Packers fans hate Chicago Bear fans, and in my opinion, they do respect them. Some of them won't say it, but I think there is a lot of mutual respect there. I mean, both teams are are so intertwined throughout the history of the game of football. I mean, I've got some really cool history segments teed up, and I'm holding them back because we got a lot of football news right now. we got a lot of camp news. We're keeping up with these, these roster shifts and depth chart moves and all that. But I've got so many stories with the Packers-Bears rivalry that are just amazing, and and how Papa Bear Hallis actually helped the Green Bay Packers raise money for Lambeau Field, and how Papa Bear Hallis's nephew actually sold uh, the heating grid to Vince Lombardi that now still sits under Lambeau Field, right, to keep the field from freezing. Um, all this stuff, you know, Curly Lambeau and George Hallis helping each other uh, time and time again, um, you know, throughout the years while – he was coaching the Green Bay Packers and obviously Papa Bear owning and coaching uh, the Chicago Bears. So I have a great deal of respect for the franchise. That's me personally. You're probably cutting the podcast off because I'm making you sick, but I'm just being honest. I, I love history. I love the game of football. I think the Packers and Bears are very, very important for each other and that rivalry. 
and how he pays homage to the history. He mentions names like Singletary and Buckus, both of which uh, Singletary is a guy I respect a ton. Buckus, I wouldn't say that I respect him as much as Singletary, but you got to respect what he did for the game of football, more specifically the linebacker position. Um, but it looks like Roquan's done. Now, I want to go back to what I started with, and we're going to wrap this up. I know this is a Packers podcast, but again, um, it's important news because this is a guy that when you talk to Bears fans, he's a superstar. And I was trying to point out, like, what do you, what is it you guys like about him? And again, it came back to Madden ratings and statistics, <laughs> you know, tackle statistics, if that, you know, of anything. When you look at his PFF grade, we shared it earlier in the chat. Um, I'll try to pull it up here. I don't want to bore you too much uh, with me filibustering trying to trying to pull it up. But um, when we did pull that up. It was horrible. I mean, his overall grade, his overall rating was just terrible. Um, I can't find the grade right now. I'm not going to take the time to to click on it again. We're recording uh, in, in one swoop here, so I don't want to, you know, have to make you guys wait and have dead air. But PFF suggests he was one of the worst linebackers in the league. Coverage grade was in the 60s. I think his overall grade was in the 30s or 40s. His run defense grade was the worst. But yet he had 160 tackles, Clayton. How's that happen? It's because – He's playing with with he's playing outside of the structure of the defense, and he's using his athleticism to get to the ball. That doesn't mean he's a good linebacker. You know, Ryan said it best the other night when we were talking about Quay Walker and the subtle things that he does pre-snap and even post-snap. His post-snap quickness, but more importantly, his pre-snap knowledge of knowing where he's supposed to be within the defense to the point where he's communicating with the safety behind him, telling them when to cover him up. You know, because he's going to shoot his shot in the gap and 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 try to make a play on a run. Like, there's so many things that come into play. You give me, like Ryan said, you give me the smart linebacker. I would much rather have a linebacker, and this is what he said, and I completely agree with it, with four six speed, who's smart and can gain that step to step and a half on the opposing team because he knows what to do because of film study and just those instincts of being where you need to be in a specific situation on the defensive side of the ball. Give me that over the guy who runs a 4-4-40 all day long and twice on Sunday. And that's essentially what you've got. But what I was getting to with the fans, I'm having this conversation with them, and they are going off on me. You obviously don't know football. Oh, you're putting all your stock in PFF. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 why you, you don't understand you know the game, and that's why you don't understand how good Roquan is and this and that. Now, I mean, they were talking like this is a all-pro Line, this is this is arguably the best middle linebacker in the game of football. That's that is the energy they were bringing to the table, right, for the conversation. And again, the only thing they could come up with were tackles and Madden ratings, right? And now today, since this news came out, oh, now it's out. Uh, we just need to get rid of him. Just trade him. He don't want to be here. Trade him. What happened? <laughs> it's just it, it's amazing to me. And and I don't mean to laugh at other people's expenses at the expense of others, I should say. But it's like, man, you guys, it doesn't matter what the situation is. You refuse to try to understand how the game of football is played and how a player should play within the structure of a, of, of a, a scheme, whether it's on offense or defense. You know, That's why I pointed out with Romeo Dobbs that he beat Jair on the route. He didn't make the catch the end of the game at the end of the day it, it is a loss but there's something to be said about his route running that's not me saying okay he can beat Jair uh you know on route running you know seven out of ten times I'm not saying that at all but what I'm trying to to understand with Romeo Dobbs is how did he fall in the draft 
How did he last that long? And what is it about him that's making him flash in camp? And the three biggest things that come to mind for me are his body positioning when making a catch, his ability to uh, go up and jump, you know, jump ball a guy on defense, you know, make those contested catches, right? So you've got body positioning, which is really balance is what it comes down to. He's got good body balance. He can make contested catches. And his route running ability are really the things that are starting to separate for me now. Now, you see the, the clip the other day where he burned Stokes, and we know Stokes is one of the fastest corners in the entire National Football League, and Stokes could not recover. He could not catch up with him. Now, I'm not so concerned about the release and Stokes losing on the release because sometimes they're put in a position to say, I want you to play inside technique. I want you to play mirror match press man with inside technique, meaning you're going to lose on the outside. Give him the outside. Maybe they wanted to see that release and how good Dobbs could do it if someone wasn't cheating in one direction or the other. But like Ryan pointed out, then why is Stokes throwing his helmet? If Stokes is throwing his helmet on the practice field, it tells me he expects to beat Dobbs on that play, which means it's not a prefabricated result by the coaching staff to see what Dobbs can do in certain situations if he's got an advantage, whether it's outside leverage or inside leverage. Dobbs is sounding more and more every day like the real deal. Now, there were some reports yesterday that came out that suggested that Dobbs got owned by Jair Alexander, right? And that could be the case. But at the same time, the fact that you got an all-pro in Jair Alexander, arguably the best corner in the game, at least the top three corner in my opinion, in my humble but accurate opinion, and you've got this guy holding his own against him, man, that really says a lot. So, um, yeah, I think Dobbs is is going to come out, you know, and it's exactly what everybody talked about. There was a couple MVP votes that went to Romeo Dobbs, not just surprise votes. But just to recap where we started, and I'm going to get you guys out of here, the Facebook group and everyone else, the consensus was the MVP of camp so far is Rashawn Gary, the surprise of camp is Romeo Dobbs, and the disappointment was Christian Watson not getting, you know, not being on the field, being hurt. Well, Christian Watson is starting to do individual drills on the sideline, right? Uh, it, during the rehabbing process. I say individual drills, but it's part of the rehab process. He's looking good. It looks like they're bringing him along very nicely. So hopefully we can mark that disappointment off. If we do, offensive line is next. Well, to me, there's great news. We've got live Packer football Friday night, and we're going to get to see that offensive line in action. It's going to be vanilla defenses. There's not going to be a lot of sugar in at the line of scrimmage and exotic blitzes and dog and, and delay and all that stuff. Not going to see a lot of that. But we're going to get to see the starting five as it sits right now and how they go up against San Francisco 49ers starting defensive line. Hopefully they play their starters at least a little bit there on the defensive line. But with the injury history from the past, you know, with, with San Francisco, I mean, it seems like every year by week six, there's, you know, five or six people on the hour with knee injuries. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. But that's the thing I'm looking for this Friday night. And I'm really, really excited to have the post-game show with you guys. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have some guests that will probably hop on too. I'm hearing rumors, not going to make any promises, but I'm hearing rumors that Ryan may do a live stream for that preseason game. And I got really, really excited hearing the excitement in his voice, talking about possibly doing watch parties, right? So with that being said, why don't you guys do me a favor and let's try to push Ryan over the edge a little bit and tell him, hey, look, we want some preseason watch parties. There's no skin skin in the game. There's no reason to be stressed out watching a preseason game. 
I, I wouldn't want to do a watch party during the regular season because I would be stressed out, right? I'm one of those fans that I like to get a little bit loud. Um, I, I don't know. I just I, – I don't want to sacrifice – um, the enjoyment of watching a live Packer football game with having to feel like, okay, I need to bring a certain level of content to listeners during the game, you know, but I'm really, really excited to bring that energy uh, for the post-game show. And we'll do our very first one Friday night. What we ask is be patient with us, okay, because uh, it's something that's it's going to be a work in progress, but we want to bring you that kind of coverage where we recap the game but we also bring you some sound bites in real time as guys are doing press conferences, just a way for the next day when you wake up after a game or, or, you know, later that afternoon, if it's a Sunday game during the regular season, but you know, more specifically here in the preseason, you wake up Saturday morning and go, I want to get a quick recap of the game. We'll have it bundled up in, in a one hour podcast, maybe a two hour podcast where you can kind of get all the information right there, one stop and get kind of uh, caught up on it. And then I'm sure Ryan will do a pod and give you his take on it. So you're going to get multiple angles. We're going to kind of bring it from a media coverage standpoint. And then Ryan, of course, is going to give you his personalized opinion of how the game went. I think it's going to be great, great content. So uh, with that being said, guys, I'm going to get you out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. I want to thank each and every listener, uh, especially those who contributed in the Facebook group, giving us your vote on MVP, surprise of camp, and, of course, biggest disappointment of camp. We really, really really appreciate the time you took to top that out. And I want to give a special shout-out again to the listener, the uh, the Facebook member there that pointed out that I had a typo in the title. Man, I, I think you're the true MVP today. So with that being said, guys, let's go out. Oh, one last announcement. I almost forgot. Two, two things here. Mason Crosby was kicking today. He was kicking a soccer ball, part of uh, rehab. So that was really, really good to see. That's great news that he's out there kicking. He looks he looks healthy. They're going to bring him along slow. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue to let Burkett completely shank balls until then. That's okay. <laughs> but that was good news. And also, we're going to be doing our giveaway this week for the Monday Night Football, Packers-Rams, Lambeau Field, December 19th, indoor club seats. We're going to be picking a winner here in the next day or two. It's a task, guys. I've got a ton of names that I've got to put into this uh, generator, this uh, auto pick, I guess you could say. And there's a couple of guys that made some huge, huge donations to uh, Drew's GoFundMe to help him get the seizure service dog. It's going to be hard for a dark horse to come out the winner here because they, I mean, there was one guy, guys, he donated $500 to that, that cause. That gets him 100 entries into the game, into the, the, you know, the sweepstakes. I want to do it live, but I'm very, very cautious because I don't know how to get in touch with this guy, to be honest with you. I know when we make the announcement, he'll come forward, but I'm, I'm hoping I can figure out a way to reach out to him if he does win, because I'm telling you, it's stacked a hundred entries. He's got, I mean, 90% of the people that entered the contest he has, you know, 99 more entries than them. <laughs> so good chance he's probably going to win. But again, there may be a dark horse emerge, but I don't want to announce the winner and then someone fake an account and come forward. I got to be very, very cautious with that. So I hope you guys understand that. But we will be announcing the winner this week. And uh, hopefully it's you hearing my voice that wins the ticket. And we look forward to hanging out with whoever that is. So got to get out of here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for, uh, you know, just hanging out with us and uh, take a time out of your day to uh, to listen to the pod. We don't take it lightly. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. Third down, inches to go. The Vader.
Cowboys out in front.